Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Dylan was, he was a revolutionary, man. The way that, the way that Elvis freed your body, Bob freed your mind. This is Bob Dylan, about man and God and law. When I began to trace back the steps of the journey that led to creating this podcast, now nearly 40 episodes, as well as writing a book and teaching in upwards of 30 different communities about the spiritual wisdom of Bob Dylan over the past three years, I kept changing my mind about where it all began. I think I know where it's going, and I'll tell you more about that soon. But where did it begin? As COVID was beginning to creep, I was looking for a new podcast to help pass the time when I discovered Rock and Roll Archaeology, as created by my soon-to-be partners and friends at the Pantheon Podcast Network. After a binge of everything recorded for us diggers up to that point, I thought, that's the kind of imagination I could bring to Dylan. But this wasn't where my journey with Bob Dylan started. I just I thought of a bookstore around the corner from Columbia University looking for a book to help close out my doctorate. I found Griel Marcus's Invisible Republic instead. I read it cover to cover, and then I read it again. I knew that something connected Griel's work on Dylan and mine on religion, and I wanted to find the open spaces to see where that connection could grow. 
But this wasn't where my journey with Bob Dylan started. There was freshman year of college, buying a mini fridge and new sheets for my dorm room. I stopped by the record store in the mall, bought the free Whelan Bob Dylan, and spent many hours over the next few weeks laying on the floor with my head next to the turntable, amazed. That album was already 30 years old by then, but it was new to me, and I wanted more. I recorded to cassette every Dylan album the college radio station had in its library and kept going. But this wasn't where my journey with Bob Dylan started. There was the Akron Rubber Bowl in high school, pretty wasted, watching a ramshackle performance by Dylan and the Dead, weeping with the hippie who had shared some hash with me, telling him how much I had missed out on it, how much I wished I could have lived when he had lived. This wasn't where my journey with Bob Dylan started either. I landed on the late morning when I was about 10 years old, driving in the Cleveland winter with my dad. He put a cassette tape of the last waltz into the tape deck of our Subaru. We were listening to the end of the band. That weird harp intro, something otherworldly, and that phrase, take a load off Fanny, which sounded sexual and funny and had something of someone needing to take a dump. I had only really paid attention to the AM radio dial and the Beatles up until then. The Beatles, because my friend Alec, a guitar genius who could play the whole Beatles catalog by the time he was 10, with whom I would start a band a few years later, he taught us all how to hear I Buried Paul by playing Sgt. Pepper's backwards, and we were hooked. And AM radio, because that's what my mom listened to in the car, and that's also the station where the baseball games live. I often fell asleep listening to the games, and then I'd wake up to dancing in the moonlight, and I'm not in love. Well, after the last waltz, I started to look through Dad's record collection for real. Dylan came later, but because of the last waltz, I started developing a taste for the good stuff, and I was hooked. Like all journeys, 
My journey with Bob Dylan started at home, and it ended at home. Just not the home I expected. At the end of season one of this podcast, I released a two-part episode called Bringing It All Back Home. Well, this is Bringing It All Back Home Part 3, the final episode of the podcast that made the book about man and God and law, The Spiritual Wisdom of Bob Dylan. We're talking about the magical way that Bob Dylan provides a map and a key to your door. The door that hits you on your fanny when you run away from home. And the one that you open ever so slowly when you come back. We're talking about the miracle of music that puts a roof over your head when the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. Talking about Bob Dylan's music always being about searching for, longing for, going to, or building a home. I'm your host, Stephen Daniel Arnoff. Welcome, one last time, to episode 14 of season 3 of About Man and God in Law, The Spiritual Wisdom of Bob Dylan, A Map and a Key to Your Door. Pantheon Podcast listeners, Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house, and my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once. New quick charge function, three customizable sound styles, plus awareness mode. Available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind, and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So, what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right, you'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com pantheon. Buyraycon.com pantheon. The home where Bob Dylan started for me, the home where I first met Fanny and the band, was the one where I grew up. It was pretty far back in the woods, a long, scenic drive from where most of my schoolmates lived. The last lot 
on a dead-end street, about a half a mile from a stream flowing out of the Chagrin River. Wild berries and skunks and a ravine with real quicksand that would swallow your boots whole at the edge of the yard. I think my parents, but my father in particular, wanted to do some homesteading after spending all of their lives in the suburbs. I still remember the morning I sat on a low concrete wall by the garage of the ranch house we were leaving and watched the men load the moving truck when I was five. We chopped a lot of wood out there. Sometimes we had to heat the house with it. Eventually, it all fell apart. We moved back to the suburbs just before I left for college. But for more than a decade, we lived in the country. Even if I wasn't very good at fixing things until I was in my 40s, when Garth Hudson of the band says in the last waltz that the pleasures of the band moving to Woodstock after Dylan had set up shop there was being able to just make music or fix the screen door, I could relate. The contractor never got the house with the lime green aluminum siding quite right. We moved in before it was done. There was always something to fix. The leaks in the basement or the gullies in the driveway after a rainstorm or the gutters or the roof or the screen doors. I remember epic football games in winter snow, nearly endless summer days playing with my next door neighbor until crickets and baseball games rocked me to sleep in the melancholy of dusk melting into the night. There were tunnels and snowdrifts higher than my head, giant stray turtles camping out on the driveway, yard work in the summer listening to WMMS on a boombox, rabbits and beavers and mothership mosquitoes almost as big as my fist. And though I was very private about it at the time, there was my own music for which being surrounded by woods was the greatest blessing of where we live. Take a look at me, baby. Take a look at me, baby. I am your teenage friend. Once I was a teen, before the house broke up, I would carry a tinny Epiphone acoustic guitar, a jug of water, and some Kodiak dip deep into the woods to sing and play my heart out for hours. Music became my home more than anything else for a very long time. And it was surely those long afternoons in the woods, far away from everyone and everything, that made it so. For this, and a million reasons more, thanks to the minor miracle of being in his old neighborhood a few days after Robbie Robertson died just a few weeks ago, I made a pilgrimage to Big Pink. days since, thinking about ending this journey with Bob Dylan, and thinking about the band, and thinking about Robbie Robertson, I'm ready to bring it all back home. couldn't live with 20 years on the road, I don't think I could even discuss it, Robbie Robertson says at the end of Martin Scorsese's film of the band's final concert. 
The Last Waltz, filmed Thanksgiving Day 1976. The film was released in 1978 when I was eight. It was a concert celebrating the career of the band. Rick Danko, Garth Hudson, Levon Helm, Richard Manuel, and Robbie Robertson. members of what would become the band had left home in their teens, first to back Ronnie Hawkins playing a rockabilly loop from the Deep South to Canada for eight years, and then as Bob Dylan's backing band on his proto-punk world tours crossing over from folk to rock, and then on their own as the band until the grand finale Scorsese film for almost another decade. The Last Waltz was an all-star concert at the Winterland Ballroom in San Francisco. Bob Dylan, Neil Young, Muddy Waters, Joni Mitchell, Eric Clapton, Van Morrison, Dr. John, and many more joined the show, which is wrapped around with interviews of a worn-out, wistful, all-shook-down group that some people call America's Beatles. Robbie Robertson does most of the myth-making and talking both on stage and off. Like Zelig or Forrest Gump, the band turned up at many of the key junctures of popular music in their era, at events like Woodstock or Watkins Glen. And they crossed paths with nearly all of the great figures of rock, R&B, soul, and country music, from Conway Twitty to Otis Redding to the Beatles. Lord, behold, Lord, behold, first time they got off the road in 1967, after Dylan had crashed his motorcycle near his new home in Woodstock, putting a halt to a career that had him careening across pop culture at breakneck speed until he literally broke his neck. What would be called the band migrated to Woodstock too. Three of the members, Rick Danko, Garth Hudson, and Richard Manuel, rented a house about a 10-minute drive outside of town. It was called Big Pink because of the pink aluminum siding that's still there today. Robbie lived nearby with his new wife, and Dillard did too with his wife and growing family. And until everyone moved out west, after Levon Helm had moved back east, and they had all moved on with their careers, they made music in the basement of Big Pink most every day. The Last Waltz tells a story based on the truth of these friends and free spirits, a band of brothers as Robbie would call them later. It was for me, until now, a kind of ideal of supreme living a picture of the rewards of both the world to come and a best life lived on earth. Lord, 
I was in many bands and had many all-nighters over the years, but there would be nothing for me or anyone else that I knew like the legend of sustained creative camaraderie of the band. No matter how strung out they became or how many seeds of bitterness had been sown, the brotherhood was evident in the smiles at each other on that final stage, the perfect landings of every song with all of their nuances and styles or during the unspooling of yarns about life on the road. You know it when you see it. The silent understanding of alignment of a lover, a teammate, a close collaborator. That connection of being part of a secret society, making something so much greater than you could make yourself. You against the world. Us against the world. I think most people long for something like that. I know I did. And often, I still do. I watched the last waltz yet again for probably the 20th time last week. I'm now older than the band and all of their guests except Muddy Waters were at the time of the concert. Late middle age. Here I am. Rock and roll isn't the same kind of home for me anymore. I'm a father of young adults and teenagers. I was married for almost 20 years, now divorced. And the responsibilities of family and life and making a living made such a rock and roll journey like the band's an impossible fantasy for me. But it has remained in my head, nonetheless, all that time. And if it feels like I missed out on everything in the world of the band, I do take some consolation in knowing how the world of the band and rock and roll during its golden age is obviously flawed. Like Robbie said about life on the road in that film, and I would say about some of those flaws, I don't even know if I can discuss it. The scene was hyper male and hyper white. What can you say about the staples? The black effect, right after Richard Manuel talks about the band's first name being the Honkies, or a grace-filled rendition of The Night They Drove Old Dixie Down, which has all the elements of musical transcendence, until you really think about its glorification of the great lost cause of white supremacy. And in case you are feeling a touch apologetic about that song, the Confederate flag hangs in the background as you swallow that white lump in your throat. I just want to break even, Richard says as part of the group's reverie as the boys smoke and play pool. Manuel killed himself in a cheap hotel room during one of the partially reassembled band's depressing tours a decade later. Joni Mitchell appears on the stage in The Last Walls. Joni, an offstage Emmylou Harris and Mavis Staples and her sisters are the only female artists who cracked the boys' club just as Muddy Waters is the only black singer in the entirety of the concert, a concert that was meant to celebrate America's musical heritage over 40 years. The Staples singers and Emmylou Harris were recorded after the fact at a soundstage in LA. The scene that guts me the most, even if Scorsese set it up that way, frames Rick Danko in the band's clubhouse, the Shangri-La, after the post-last waltz hiatus has begun. He says that he's just making music and trying to stay busy. 
He's as sad and hidden under his big hat as anyone could be. It would be two decades of rambling one-offs and mostly dinky venues and a lot of drugs before he died young as well. Bob Dylan's I Shall Be Released, which the band and all its guests perform at the end of The Last Waltz. From what are they or we released? Hey folks, Stefan Shirazi and Renee Richardson here from the Metallica Report. And we are proud members of the Pantheon podcast family, where the best of music and podcasts unite. We've got something pretty cool for you. We're giving away an exclusive Metallica merch package worth over $250. That's a whole lot of scary guys, skulls, M72, and other sought-after Metallica swag. And we've made it easy for you to win. Follow and share the Metallica Report, and you're in the game. Go to pantheonpodcast.com slash Metallica, enter your email, and hit that button to be entered to win. And just like that, you're eligible for our monthly exclusive Metallica merch package. And guess what, rockers? You can enter every month. So just do it. And while we love our global brothers and sisters, the lawyers won't let us ship outside the U.S. Daphne Brooks unpacked all of this in an essay in Jezebel adapted from a fantastic book I've mentioned before, Liner Notes for the Revolution, The Intellectual Life of Black Feminist Sound. In describing popular music's migration from the age of Dylan to the age of Beyonce, she says of Bob Dylan and the band and life at Big Pink, the rehearsals and experimentations of that sacred rock bard, forever shrouded in mystique, forever the iconic ideal, forever the romantic embodiment of all that is putatively authentic and organic in popular music culture, in spite of the fact that he himself, Bob Dylan, reveled in the talents of his own myth-making. What the basement tapes held out to Dylanites, however, was the assurance of pure, unadulterated art, resistance to commerce, pounded out on the ground floor of a house rental in upstate New York. As Robbie said, it's a goddamn impossible way of life. So, like the song goes, where do we go from here? Robbie Robertson walked away from it all, at least the impossible way of life. That's why it was called The Last Waltz. But Bob Dylan sang, just around the same time. Me, I'm still on the road, looking for another joint. This was after there had been a time of just making music and fixing screen doors for Bob Dylan, too. 
Bob Dylan's move to Woodstock in the mid-60s to an old artist's colony inspired by the call to earthy simplicity in art was when Dylan wanted to get out of the city and homestead and go up to the country, have a bunch of kids, as the song goes, catch rainbow trout, just like my dad did in the house with the lime green aluminum siding, just like Big Pink. It's a dream hard not to hold. Dylan describes a family vacation a few years after Woodstock in the song Sarah on Desire, an album released not long before The Last Waltz was recorded. By the time of The Last Waltz, Dylan and his wife Sarah, that one true love, were well on their way to divorce. I laid on the dune, I looked at the sky, when the children were babies, I played on the beach, you came up behind me. I saw you go by, you were always so close, and still within reach. Sarah, Sarah, whatever made you want to change your mind? Sarah, Sarah, so easy to look at, so hard to define. still see them playing with their pails in the sand they run to the water their buckets to fill i can still see the shells falling out of their hands as they follow each other back up the hill sarah oh sarah sweet virgin angel sweet love of my life Now the beach is deserted except for some kelp and a piece of an old ship that lies on the shore. You always responded when I needed your help. You gave me a map and a key to your door. The beach is deserted except for some kelp and a piece of an old ship that lies on the shore. You always responded when I needed your help. You gave me a map and a key to your door. Has Bob Dylan been looking for home, trying to get back there for all these decades on the road, looking for another joint ever since. It is a goddamn impossible way of life. That map and the key to your door, they go both ways, magical, radical acceptance of friendship and love, and also dissolution and loss, dancing in intimacy, and dancing in a last waltz, running towards and running away. And Dylan gives us the soundtrack for both. As this long-running commentary on Bob Dylan comes to a close, I think I've said about all I can say about Bob Dylan in this format. But I do want to say something about Neil Diamond. Thanks very much. I'm going to do one song for you. As I try to bring it all back home. I'm going to do it good. (laughs) 
Something Neil Diamond, of all people, sings at the last waltz is as good a last word as I can think of. Robbie Robertson produced Neil Diamond's album Beautiful Noise just before the last waltz. Neil Diamond might seem a little out of place on that all-star stage, but his Tin Pan Alley roots made sense. His shtickiness was not that far removed from Van Morrison's sequin jumpsuit. For years, Neil Diamond would be the highest grossing act of all of them for a post-Vegas Elvis show, rougher than Barry Manilow, more of an artist, but also truly an entertainer. Not quite the band's kind of rock and roll. Certainly not the mythic ideal that Daphne Brooks describes, but he was there at the last waltz, as Van Morrison might say, because after all, it's all showbiz. Neil Diamond must have been singing the song Dry Your Eyes for the band. He co-wrote it with Robbie, and in one of the most memorable moments of showbiz strum and drum in that concert, he sings about the dream of Big Pink, the drive or die of creative collaboration. The us against the world of the band and a million other bands that long to be on the road looking for another joint and homesteading too, of running away from home, of looking for home, and of getting lost in order to be found. more than being holy, but it was less than being free. white male rock. It's also the truth. There's no freedom, and you can't go home again either. We can be nostalgic all we want about our music and the rock stars that made it, but we are all still on the road looking for another joint until we go home for good like Robbie Robertson did in August. We are all looking for another joint, and we all want a place to call home, every last one of us. There is no answer to the dichotomy, no resolution to the gap. Somewhere between running away from home and having a home lies a kind of truth, at least for me. It's this tension between them where being holy can be. So here's a final thought about how to hear Bob Dylan between man and God in law. 
Bob Dylan witnesses with us that life is about more than being holy, even if it's about less than being free. Music is for taking the load off, Fanny, because otherwise, life can really kick our ass. Music is the beat between this and that, the peephole into eternity, the place that's holy, where the map leads and the key fits even if the journey never really ends. It's a comfort, a map, a key, fellowship, and someone who understands. The brother that you never had, it's all in there, and all of it is holy. To paraphrase Neil Young, stoned to the gills as he was at the last waltz, it's been one of the pleasures of my life to have been up on this stage of this podcast here with you people here tonight. Here's to that, to Big Pink, to the band, to Robbie Robertson, and above all, here's to Bob Dylan. Here's to all he's given us, despite it being a goddamn impossible way of life. Here's to being holy, and here's to being free. Lord, I'm walking down the line Walking down the line And I'm walking down the line My fate will be fine To tell about my troubled mind This has been episode 14 of season 3 The last and final episode Of About Man and God and Law The Spiritual Wisdom of Bob Dylan We have been proud to be part of the Pantheon Podcast Network. Visit PantheonPodcast.com for an illustrious array of podcasts for people who love music. I thank the team at Pantheon and all of my colleagues for an incredible ride. Visit www.mangodlaw.com to find out how to sign up for our first Bob Dylan retreat, which will take place in Woodstock, New York in May 2024. There will be new projects, another book in the works, and a lot more. Come find us at mangodlaw.com. I have been your host, Dr. Stephen Daniel Arnoff, and I have been glad to stand with Bob Dylan as an enemy of the unlived, meaningless life. Thanks for coming, and see you soon.
It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. Fantasy Points.